And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. I'm talking about this show covers some ground across the northern part of the state. We are way down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, back to Gadsden, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, and Mississippi, thrown in just for good measure. Um, Boomer, I'm not sure I could uh, do that backwards. What if I tried to do that backwards? <laughs> I would uh, enjoy <laughs> listening to parts that. Of, parts of Mississippi, Tennessee, and Georgia. It just rolls it's, off the tongue a, now. That's it's like a, trying it's to hard, count backwards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's like, it's, it's like muscle memory from my lips. And I, just, yep. I, I don't know if I could do it backwards. Um, uh, what is uh, Jason from Huntsville just texted in? It says, a little revolution now and then is a healthy thing. That's a quote. And I can't remember who it's from. Jason, remind me who that's, that quote's from. Couldn't be more true. Um, so uh, there's that. Uh, Alice from Huntsville uh, just heard my response about uh, Democrats electing a, the Speaker of the House, and, and she just said thanks for, for, for filling in the details. Uh, number two of the triple di- – by the way, it's official. He lost the sixth ballot. They just officially called it, so it's done. He has lost six times now, but Kevin McCarthy has. Woo! This is, uh, this is generational news, y'all. This has not happened in 100 years. The last time this happened, it only took three ballots. Uh, the time before that, it took mm, 130-something. That's, that's, we don't want to be there. No. I will admit that I will become a little tired of it by then. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's going to come together eventually, but I'm just uh, I'm liking the fact that this is uh, – and they adjourned, by the way. They just adjourned. So the House is done for the day. They went three more times a day, and they adjourned until 8 p.m., actually. So I guess there's going to be some uh, a break. People get a bite to eat. And then you can see Kevin McCarthy's laughing with some of his members over in the corner. Uh, things are working. We'll see. It's still an amicable, professional debate on the floor. Uh, we'll see where it goes. Switching gears here. Number two on the Triple Dipper. Shine a little light. So as I'm getting ready for today, I kept finding things and looking at them and going, oh, that'll be interesting to find out. Or, man, we need to find that out. Or, man, I hope the Republicans get hold of those files and... And it dawned on me, I saw enough of those to where I thought, there's a segment. Um, So what I'm talking about here is there are any number of things that have been happening that during the era of Nancy Pelosi and, you know, uh, the control that um, folks like Swalwell and uh, Adam Schiff and some of the others had over information that should be in the public domain has been kept deliberately you know, hidden, we look at it and go, okay, Republicans are going to be, there's a new sheriff in town. We want to know what's going on. Like, you know, we're finding out some things just through other means like Twitter. Since Elon Musk bought Twitter, you know, we've had the Twitter files. They're on the 11th tranche now of the Twitter files. Story here on Fox News came out yesterday afternoon that points out the Twitter files up to part 11 show how the Basically, the, 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 the big tech company began to embrace the intel community. I don't, I don't know how to explain this. Maybe they felt very important. Maybe they didn't realize they were being used. Or maybe they just enjoyed the idea of bending people's perceptions because they could. None of which are good. But the article here on Fox News points out the first Twitter files of 2023 dove into the tech giant's evolution from its resistance to its embrace of the Intel community. In the 11th installment of Elon Musk's Twitter files, um, uh, where'd it go? When uh, Substack writer Matt Tybee reported about the PR crisis, 
Twitter underwent in 2017 when Democrats pummeled the tech giant for apparent inaction investigating Russian influence that they turned around and turned themselves into a Russia task force to so-called investigate the Kremlin's activities. And they began to meet with the FBI, the Department of Homeland Security, and the Department of Justice on a regular basis. So much so that what we're learning now is that the FBI was given its own secure portal to email information and messaging to Twitter. Like, like literally, at one point, the FBI was flagging, systematically flagging Twitter users and sending word through the portal that there was possible violations that needed to be addressed by Twitter staff. So basically, they became a proxy arm of the government in some ways. This is awful. Uh, up in part seven of the Twitter files, uh, we began to see the, the coziness, they call it here in this article, with the FBI in the context of the Hunter Biden laptop. The fact that the FBI was requesting Twitter to share sensitive data regarding that issue. And then into the 2020 elections. And then we look further down and we're all the way up to, you know, part eight. They begin to share intercepts. Uh, the Twitter files are sharing intercepts between members of um, the government uh, regarding foreign influence in other countries. And then got up to number 10 and 11. We're looking at, you know, of course, focusing on COVID and trying to spread and stop misinformation, depending on which way you were looking. Um, and, it, and it just talks about the fact that Twitter got so in bed with the intel and law enforcement communities that they became truly a proxy of the FBI, the DOJ, even the CDC. Well, we're also finding out this now. Let's shine a little light on this. According to the Political Insider, storyline dated yesterday, the FBI paid Twitter $3.4 million to ban accounts for misinformation. I kid you not. That's the article. The Federal Bureau of Investigation paid Twitter $3.4 million to ban or suspend accounts for, quote, foreign influence and, quote, misinformation. It says the FBI has been policing speech on the media site now for years, eventually paying Twitter the money as reimbursement for the work, according to the New York Post. The inner workings of Twitter and its cooperation with federal authorities have been coming in tranches and released, of course, uh, over time now since Elon Musk bought the company. And so here's the deal, y'all. This is one of the first things we need to shine a light on, I think, is to what degree have we seen the American public's perceptions skewed by an intentional interaction between government and social media? Because I'm going to tell you right now, PSYOPs on U.S. soil by the U.S. government is wrong. I understand what PSYOPs is. I spent time in what's known as USA KPOC, the U.S. Army Civil Affairs and PSYOPs Command. All right, I have worked with PSYOPs guys downrange. And I've seen the level of influence they can provide at the tactical level, and I know what they're designed to do at the strategic level. PSYOPs is real. Psychological operations is the attempt to influence through perception and giving the other side of the story, so to speak. And it can be anything from getting the other side of the story out to literally trying to bend perceptions in a certain direction. This should not be happening on U.S. soil. I, I, I understand it if the Russians are doing it to us. I understand that the Chinese are doing it to us. It absolutely cannot happen if the U.S. government is doing it to us. 
I mean, at that point, it feels like a violation of posse comitatus almost, as if the U.S. military has in some way been used against the, the citizens of the nation. Well, that's got to change. Um, that, that's got to change. Uh, next story. <laughs> so there's that. There's why is FBI paying $3.4 million to Twitter to ban people and to help conduct PSYOP operations in the U.S.? How about this one? January 6th. First of all, the farcical investigation of the so-called insurrection. Was it an insurrection? No. That's a legal definition. There's a legal definition of insurrection in the U.S. Code, and this ain't it. Was it a riot? Yes. Was it bad? Yes. Should it have happened? No. But what I'm looking at right now, historically speaking, this was not an insurrection. Attempt to overthrow government and supplant it with what? Nothing. Well, the January 6th commission spent how many millions of dollars in a year and a half of our time accomplishing basically nothing? But in doing so, they did countless numbers of depositions. They took sworn testimony from who knows how many people, some of which has been sealed. And also there's documents, there's photographs, there's videos, there's all kinds of things that, by the way, have been locked away and the public is not being allowed to see it. Why? I don't know. You know what? We need to know. Story on the Epoch Times. Republicans have proposed a new rules package for securing records belonging to the House Select Committee on the January 6th attack investigating the Capitol breach. At present, the January 6th committee has released some transcripts related to the case for the public. But the vast majority of raw information the committee has selected or has collected is to be sent to the National Archives where it could be sealed for up to 30 or even 50 years if they're deemed to be sensitive. (laughs) What the heck, man? Was it a crime or was it not? Was it an insurrection or was it not? What, what What did you find that you're scared of? Are you going to find literally that if we watch the videos, that it appears that the um, security at the Capitol was not sufficient and that was Nancy Pelosi's fault? Are we going to watch and find that there were a number of things that were listed as being insurrection activities that were people just taking selfies in the rotunda? Um, Are we going to find that people who went to jail, there's video evidence that they shouldn't have? I mean, what are we going to find? Well, back in November, uh, Kevin McCarthy wrote a letter to the chairman of the January 6th committee asking for the preservation of all records and transcripts because the Republicans say they're going to get those records and they're not going to be archived because we need to see them and they need to be put on the public domain. Put up a website where we can see them. We can study them ourselves. It's amazing what happens when citizens can actually watch the cameras and see it for themselves. You want transparency on this? Put the data out there where we can see it. Don't do another who shot JFK, and then release a few documents every 20 years. Not a good idea. Um, All right, listen, I'm going to take the break right now. When we get back from this break, we'll just kind of wrap this up because top of the hour, it's the Grand Council with my brethren Dale Jackson and Jeff Poor. You're going to want to hear this. I'm pretty sure we're going to be talking about the fact that McCarthy is lost for the sixth time. And I had one of my texters just text me in, that Trump just pulled his support from McCarthy. Does it, does it matter? I don't know. <laughs> but I'm going to check out the story she just sent over. All right, folks, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back.
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, just plain right, saving the world one soundbite at a time. Hey, uh, we're in number two of the Triple Dipper, shine a little light. I will tell you, uh, just uh, stepping back to the topic of the day here, um, that it, it's, you know, basically we've already seen six votes now. The, uh, the, the House has now adjourned until 8 p.m. this evening. Uh, they'll come back in ostensibly. Uh, to uh, to vote again, I don't know. Um, my prediction, I was talking to some folks in the office today, and my prediction was they would have four votes today. So if they do one more, I, I, I'm in. <laughs> but, but all that to say, uh, they have adjourned, and uh, it's ugly. And I don't know for a, f- I mean, I'm looking at this and believing this is probably real. Um, it appears that Donald Trump has just issued a statement saying that uh, it's time for Kevin McCarthy to step aside. Um, in his words, and you know, it's, it's classic Trumpism, but, um, uh, he says, I've been monitoring the vote at the house from the beautiful Mar-a-Lago. I'm very disappointed. Kevin and I spoke last night. He made certain promises that he's not kept. See, I, okay. First of all, if you're going to say that, Mr. President, tell us what they are, because right now all he's doing is alluding to McCarthy, not keeping a promise to who, um, if you made a promise that was purely for Trump's benefit, then I'd like to know that. If you made a promise about doing some of the things that the uh, House uh, Freedom Caucus is asking for, I'd like to know that. Anyway, all he does is sort of obscurely say, Kevin and I spoke last night. He made certain promises he has not kept. Very, very sad. Many are now saying Kevin is part of the problem. Enough is enough, Kevin. The swamp needs to be drained, and it seems we need new leadership. House members should now rally behind Byron Donalds, who will be sure to push the MAGA agenda, get it done. Well, um, that's interesting. Um, he was all Kevin McCarthy this morning, but, you know, it appears that he's seen the handwriting on the wall and is uh, choosing instead to go ahead and switch his vote under the belief that um, Kevin McCarthy is no longer able to get the job done. That's that's interesting. Um, Missy from Falkville sent that to me. Missy, thank you so much. I appreciate the, uh, the insight. Uh, going back to number two of the Triple Dipper, shine a little light. This one is interesting. So the Jeffrey Epstein files. I want to know why the heck we know more about what's been going on in the back door of Twitter than we do about what happened with the Jeffrey Epstein files. Like there's an entire list of people who were potentially involved in sex trafficking of underage women to you know the, the 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 pervert island he had out there in the in the Caribbean or the Virgin Islands area, and so anyway, Daily Wire reports that the top prosecutor in the U.S. Virgin Islands lost her job just days after suing a major investment bank for allegedly turning a blind eye to sex offender Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. Governor Albert Bryan, Democrat of Virgin Islands, announced the firing of Attorney General Denise George in a brief statement. She sa- he said, I relieved Denise George of her duties as Attorney General this weekend. I thank her for her service to the people and the t- of the territory during the past four years as Attorney General. I wish her the best. That's interesting. I didn't know you could relieve an Attorney General. I guess the laws of the Virgin Islands are a little different. Governor Ivey could never just relieve um, uh, the Attorney General of Alabama, so I assume this has got a different set of laws in place. It must be an appointed position. But it goes on to say the governor did not provide a reason for the ouster. However, um, it comes on the heels of Denise George, the now former attorney general for the Virgin Islands, having filed a federal lawsuit in Manhattan last week accusing J.P. Morgan Chase 
of failing to report suspicious financial activity by its client, Jeffrey Epstein, at his villa on St. James Island while benefiting financially from a sex trafficking operation. So, yeah, she filed a suit and lost her job. Um, If it's not that, then please, Mr. Governor, tell us it's not that. Um, Wow. Uh, Okay, here's another one that we want to shine a little light on. Sam Bankman Freed or Fried, how do you pronounce his name? The guy who looks like he has been playing video games in mommy's basement in his underwear for the last five years was actually in charge of billions of dollars. I don't understand it. Dude, dude just, just literally felt like he was just the most awkward individual, and yet somehow or another he conned people out of billions of dollars. Well, he is now um, out on bond. $250 million bond. One of the largest bail packages in U.S. history. And one of the terms of the bond is he has to remain at his parents' house. So I guess he can go back to mommy's basement and, you know, play video games. But um, he has to remain at his parents' house until his trial. His parents have allowed the equity of their $4 million house, which, by the way, in California, a $4 million house is not that significant. It's okay, but it's anyway. His parents have allowed for the equity of their $4 million house to secure a portion of his bail, but because the home is not worth anywhere near that amount, the judge asked that two other people of considerable means, one of whom is cannot be a relative, sign the bond. Well, the lawyers for the disgraced former billionaire have now argued there's no need for the public to be aware of who these guarantors are. They don't want it getting out. They think that their, you know, identification could make them, you know, I don't know, put them in, in danger. But I think the world needs to know who stepped in there to sign the bail bond for a $250 million billionaire who conned you know, like half the United States out of its money. And yet we don't know. But maybe one day we will. Last thing I've got to wrap this segment up. Shine a little light, if you will, please, on why the DOJ is hiding hundreds of potentially responsive records on the Hunter Biden uh, laptop issue. So the Postmillennial reports, as of yesterday, that a lawsuit has been filed against the Department of Justice for admittedly having what they say are 400 pages of potentially responsive documents to a FOIA request about whether or not there was any relationship, communication, gifts, or remuneration in any form between the Bidens and China, Russia, or Ukraine. And they, they admit under, they, on the record that they've got potentially 400 pages. They only produced 60. And those 60 were basically just letters between congressmen and the DOJ. Well, they want to know, where are the 400? And why aren't you producing them? And they're just getting no answer. There's a status hearing coming up next week where the DOJ may have to pony up or at least show cause as to why not. They admit they got 400 pages. They don't want to produce them. I think it's time for things to change in D.C. All right, folks, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, coming right back. The Grand Council with Dale Jackson and Jeff Poor and me. Y'all stay tuned.